killed a bunch of people at the mall last night. Holy shit. Another shady side tragedy. Fits the narrative, right? Sarah, there's that Christ. Not you too. There's no angry dead witch. The only thing that made him go crazy is this town. The dude was wearing a Halloween skull mask. How is that not fun? Guys, I think there's someone in the woods. Welcome to May Contain Violence. I'm Dave. And I'm Mallory. And uh, we're going to be dropping our applesauce. No, we're going to be talking about uh, Fierce, Fear Street. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> we're all professionals here. Stop laughing. <laughs> Never. Uh, um. Yeah, so the Fear Street trilogy hit uh, earlier this uh, year. Mm -hmm. And we're waiting on to talk about it so we can have time to compile our notes and to uh, do the whole thing in one podcast, if it's at all possible. Yes. Uh, well, I mean, the films are at a good length where we can actually probably talk about all three at once, to be honest, and how they seamlessly sort of move into to the next that's that's what i I've, i actually enjoyed about the series is the connection the seamless connection between all three yes uh, and the beauty of it was the release schedule like i was mm -hmm. on on a weekly basis so you pretty much guaranteed not to forget anything whereas you do regular sequels and you have an, at least a year if not two if not more and so you yeah stranger things yeah, <laughs> strange. Oh, is that still going? I don't know. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, so I love the release schedule. I love that this was sort of event television. We haven't had a good event television for um, a while. And in this case, you know, event streaming, which is, you know, probably the, God, what? Probably like the first of its kind, really. Because mm -hmm. you would get these this type of stuff on like you know TV miniseries. Um, mm -hmm. I'm I'm going back a bit, but I remember the one of the very first big events, uh, TV events of my life was when the uh, original V miniseries came out, and uh, that that hit networks and it was huge, huge uh, uh, water cooler talk. Mm -hmm. um, of course, I was a kid. The only water coolers I had ever seen were ones on TV. But, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, TV did stuff like this uh, all the time. Um, 
they would have crossovers on their television shows. Uh, you know, you'd see uh, like uh, I think it was NBC one time did a crossover among all their comedies. Uh, it was like a blackout, I believe, mm-hmm. and it was like you know Seinfeld and Friends and whatever. They're all part of this weird event. Um, yeah. You would have uh, yeah, the like crossovers over shows like Angel and Buffy. Um, mm-hmm. You would have uh, God. I remember one with between Magnum PI and Simon and Simon. Yes, I'm so my age. I don't care. <laughs> well, yes, uh, you you have a lot more experience in the TV verse than I do in terms of a crossover event. Um, but uh, it's you know, like growing up in the later '90s and. And these TV events were still pretty huge. Like you had a cross, like an EO, ER crossover event. I think I remember my parents were oh, huge in the ER. ER and Third Watch. Um, ER and Third Watch. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Both my parents watched. Like my mom and dad watched that, and uh, of course, I was a little bit out of, like a little bit. I was a little bit young for that uh, jam, but um, I remember. Yeah, Buffy and Angel crossover when when uh, Angel left Buffy and I also remember um, what was it? Um, Drew Carey show was also huge on those big like events like doing like the live shows and all that stuff like they were he was very big on that and uh, I kind of miss it in a a lot of ways because nowadays I mean we've gone to streaming so it's just you don't have that sort of like no one's really taking advantage of that opportunity for the crossover event. It's kind of like, mm, it's kind of like one of those like oh, it's kind of taboo now. Yeah, yeah. For yeah, for television, um, I I think they're still doing it occasionally, um, but with streaming, probably the one that has taken advantage of the most is uh, Disney Plus with their superhero shows. Um, yeah, that, that's going to have an impact on their movies, which is uh, you know usually you would have that hard line of of TV and movies, and never yeah. the two shall mix. I I think X Files is probably one of the ones that broke the mold with the uh, their their first movie. You know what? We should have Edward on the podcast for uh, if we ever end up doing an X Files episode sort of breakdown because he loves the X Files. He'd be was it is. wasn't it this week wasn't it just their anniversary it was like their yeah 35th anniversary or something like that yeah or? yeah i believe so like edward, edward uh is like i like x files but edward loves the x files like uh, i i was a pretty big fan as well i i watched all <laughs> the way to the end I think it was more catered to the, I hate to say, like, I mean, it was more catered to the guys' market than the girls' market. Like, I'm not saying that David Duchovny wasn't an attractive man, because he is, but, uh, yeah, I, like, sci-fi was never really, at least from my memory, was never really catered to the female market, in, especially in the 90s. Like, you know, you had to get Buffy to get your sort of creepy like creature feature of the week and it was uh, a very different tone yeah exactly so um but yeah he, he, he loved he loved the x-files so <laughs> I, I would say x-files was also maybe catered to a different 
age range. Yeah. Than, than say Buffy. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I was about eight or nine when the first episode aired, so she was sort of like a big sister that I could watch every week and watch right. scary stuff at the same time, and it was okay for me to watch it. <laughs> um, but yeah. yeah, like, yeah, uh, you know, X-Files is good, though. Like, I, I mean, I've grown an appreciation for it since it's been uh, on streaming services. And they also did a, like, a replay on the Sci-Fi Network, too. So, right. yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, well, it, it, broke, it broke so many molds. Uh, it it, 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 mm-hmm. it, it uh, broke so much ground, I, I say, for the, the sci-fi and horror genre. Um, mm-hmm. it, it made it accessible. Uh, it, it struggled in the first couple of seasons, as many shows do, but Fox, mm-hmm. surprisingly, Fox stuck with it. Well, this was the period of time when Fox was really trying to find its, like, find its way in terms of programming. Right. It was a fairly new network in terms of, like, actual television programming. It wasn't like Fox was, like, the number one. You had NBC, you had, um, you had CBS, um, you know, you had other channels that were really like had their their block basically their their tv night block and fox was in a lot of ways still trying to find its market and i think it found it in the like the late teens early 20 like i'd say 18 to 35 market that's when they realized oh we can make shows like dark angel and x-files and cater it to that market because that's that's what we want to get we want to get the young crowd you know, right. So, at least that's that's my take on it. <laughs> yeah, and I think X Files was their their first big hit too. Um, mm-hmm. So, and it was it was it was put on Fridays, which was usually the the death knell of most series, uh, especially on mm-hmm. network TV. But it it found its audience on Friday night. Um. Yeah, well, that was before uh, ABC even sort of uh, tapped into the the kids market or the family market because there was TGIF, um, right? That came in in the early late nineties, early two thousands. They really pushed for that block, you know. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, Fox was like the groundbreaking, the the weird stuff, like the yeah. It's not necessarily rated R, but it's definitely PG fourteen. Yeah, yeah, they took they took ch- chances and on uh, properties that others would have uh, probably passed by. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, exactly. yeah, they kind of lost their way. Then, <laughs> then, then they started to go to the mainstream, and we 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 saw less and less shows get a chance that were kind of off kilter or, or or not for mainstream audience they if you didn't get the big numbers within a couple episodes you're likely going to get mm-hmm. axed yeah it's surprising how hard it is to make anything new like any new concept any new idea they're really networks like the big studios are not willing to take a chance 
on those properties whatsoever. They're just like, eh. I'm like, no. that's the kind of thing we need right now. We need a new injection of life, you know? Oh, all that's going to the streaming platforms. They, they have know. more Thank freedom. God. You know, you go to network TV and it's like, oh, what cop show or medical drama show I watched tonight? Because mm-hmm. that's pretty much all there is, and um, yeah, where, you know, you you have to go to the to streaming for you know shows like The Handmaid's Tale, and, um, yeah, you know, create you know creative endeavors, uh, and yeah, like I mean, they're really and, and actually big big actors, huge actors are signing on to mm-hmm. to be a part of it, you know. Get their cut ryan reynolds dwayne johnson sorry dwayne the rock johnson gal gadot are doing red notice i don't know oh, if yeah. you saw the trailer for that I and did. i mean um also uh, the haunting of uh, hill house crew is coming out with a movie or a series called midnight mass yep it's coming out soon people so tune in um because they they do amazing stuff um and you know mike flanagan is fantastic he's brilliant and so is his wife kate siegel she's fantastic um but yeah i'm excited for that malignant's coming out so we're gonna probably get a movie release and then it's probably gonna jump to netflix oh yeah um um wands return to uh yeah Um, you know i love james wan (laughs) <laughs> I, I I saw some just some headlines of some reviews coming up, um, mm-hmm. and they say it's 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 a good return. It's it's weird. It it's uh, sometimes off kilter, but it's it's a, a good horror film. Um, not everything works, mm-hmm. but that, then that was okay. I, like people were like, "Oh, it's uneven," but it was really good, <laughs> or or it was like th- this part was really strange, but it doesn't matter it was still good it was it was just mm-hmm. a just the right amount of huh <laughs> yeah but that's that's the thing i like about james wan he's you know he's willing to go there he's willing to take that risk and and sort of scare us but also confuse us at the same time yeah i i have no problem with having some surreal moments in my uh or cerebral moments in my films yeah, please. Like, or, or ones that make me uncomfortable, because I mean, that's yeah. what good horror does. Will do that. Yeah, it, it, uh, like you know, we're not getting the cookie cutter stuff. Like, give us no. more gore, give us more blood, give us more uncomfortable situations. Yeah. You know, make us think. And make make you have a reaction, because if you're just sitting yeah. there and not reacting to a movie, I. That's not a good movie. No, uh, exactly. Yeah, whether whether you're laughing, you're crying, you're disgusted, you're <laughs> abhorred, you know, cringe, whatever. At least it's a reaction. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Just just to sit there like uh, an audience full of mannequins. Uh, that's probably a director's worst fear in, in seeing that. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Or a, or a live band. <laughs> um but anyways um we got off on a uh tangent there 
that's Fear okay. Street. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. That's anyone listens to this podcast. You are used to this. Um, <laughs> R.L. Stein. R.L. Stein's Fear Street. Have you read R.L. Stein before? Specifically uh, the Fear Street series. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. This was your era. This was my era. This is like the I devoured uh, Goosebumps. I devoured Fear Street. Um, you know, because they came out at the right time. You know, they came like I was him just leaving my Goosebumps phase, like my eight, like my ages, like eight through eleven. And I was getting into my preteens, and that's when Fear Street also, you know, took hold of my interest. And I was already a spooky kid to begin with, so I loved the the paranormal stuff, and I also loved the thriller, murder mystery uh, plot points of certain books too. So it wasn't uh, like I think it wasn't completely all supernatural. No, exactly. Okay. No, um, uh, it was fantastic, and I mean, I think most of the girls in my like in, in my uh, like no, I wouldn't say friend group because I kind of hung out with everybody, but uh, most of the girls that were in my class were reading them and like doing book reports on them, and and you know they they really they were super popular. So uh, like I mean I pretty much have read almost all of the books. There's some books like that I looked on the list. And I'm like, oh, I never read those. Oh, wow. Interesting. But yeah, that you know, he, he really I think he really understands his market. Like it's either, you know, it's not super spooky stories for kids, but right. you know, they're also you know, the the female market, you know, He's he's sort of in the line of VC Andrews, like you know, flowers in the attic, that kind of right. Like, Billhouse and yeah, he he just understands like you know a lot of a lot of I think it was mostly a female market really. I've read the Fear Street books because oh, they had a lot of female protagonists in the in the stories. Oh okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I just read that um, he is writing some more. A a publisher. He was shopping around to uh, publishers, but no one seemed to be interested. Um, mm-hmm. But and and he tweeted that out, and a publisher uh, got back to him after seeing the tweet and said, "We we will will publish your books." I think he's doing like eight books for them now. For him, like honestly. Let him come back. He's a he's a very good writer. Um, he's Stephen King light basically for preteens. Right. That's cool. I think that's basically where I jumped to after I uh, finished R.L. Stein. I jumped to Stephen King shortly thereafter. But uh, yeah, he, Great, great series of books. Like I highly recommend it in the young adult market. That's it's a great set. It's a great series to read. Whether you're reading the original Fear Street uh, series or any of their offshoot murder mystery stuff, very good. Uh, were they very violent? No, not necessarily. They're not like I mean, there is a bit of violence 
um, in them, but not necessarily like gratuitous, gross, highly descriptive uh, violent scenes. Not like what you would get out of a Stephen King, um, where it was very descriptive. Okay. <laughs> at times. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't have any gateway um, horror books. Uh, <laughs> I kind of went right into Stephen King. Um, mm -hmm. Gosh, I don't know what would even be considered gateway horror books when I was young. The Hardy Boys? <laughs> as far as mystery goes, probably. Uh, but I didn't really like them. <laughs> um, yeah. Probably horror comics would have been my gateway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm just looking at this now. Uh, yeah, six new books have been... Uh, uh, the publisher has bought three new books. Uh, it was later announced that's that sick. six books will be published in the series. Uh, that's uh, St. Martin's Press who will be doing that. Okay. Not bad. I mean, I would love it if they did a graphic novel series with the R.L. Stein books, some of the R.L. Stein books, because... I mean, he paints a very uh, beautiful, like, uh, uh, one of the books that's about a southern plantation, and he just paints it so such a beautiful picture of the property and the people oh, yeah. and the culture. And um, there's also a story that I like that's called The Heart of Darkness, which kind of involves uh, transformation <laughs> into a werewolf. Uh -huh. And that would be kind of cool to change into a turn into a graphic novel, but you know, I always say like what I see in my head when I read a read a book or a story is very different than what is presented in any other medium. So I'm either pleasantly surprised or ple like sadly disappointed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I I know what you mean, especially when you're talking about like a licensed property. So yes, you do have already those expectations. Um, mm -hmm. It's sometimes hard to let go of those. Um, mm -hmm. it, it appears. Uh, so look, this, this was an earlier announcement. So those books are probably out, or most of them are out right okay. now. Uh, and it looks okay. like they're longer and they're more written for a an older uh, audience, as they are uh, the plots are more involved and the violence is has been upped to reflect literature of young adults now. Mm-hmm. So very okay. interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Like cool. you know what? I'll 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 give a like, you know, I will I would give it a I'll, I'll give it a read, maybe. I don't know. I'm I'm a little bit out of the age group market that he kinda caters to, but sure. Yeah. Uh, I've kind of I'm 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 in the Stephen King age group now. <laughs> <laughs> Neil Gaiman, Stephen King. Right. Uh, uh, sadly, like I, I, I've grown up. Sadly. <laughs> In a Say those words. Yeah. I know I've gotten old. <laughs> <laughs> I could barely figure out how to get onto like the internet nowadays. It's like, <laughs> yeah, some some instructions. Did have to be related to Mallory on how to connect into our Discord room here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'll remember next time. Cause the first time we, we were doing a test run on it too. Last time we recorded, 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, that, that, Here that we one. are. Um, so we have the, the first film, Fear Street Part 1, mm-hmm. 1994. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have a... Boy, the homages to this are, uh, are, are pretty amazing. Uh, I would say yes. I would say 1994 is very much in the the scream era of uh, of it horror is. films, um, especially with the the opening sequence. Um, oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. It was uh, man. I just I just got a a good vibe as as soon as I started watching this. Uh, we had the actress who was in the most recent season of uh, Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, in, in a mall uh, in a bookstore. And already the you, you saw Easter eggs popping up. You see R.L. Stein books uh, on the wall. Yes. Um, the new girl. Like One of them was the new girl, which came out in... Uh, the late 80s, actually. It came out, I think, the year after I was born, 1989, was the first uh, Fear Street book called The New Girl. And, oh, is that right? Yeah, it was a nod to that. And also, I believe, um, what's her name? Like, I think there was a V.C. Andrews. They, they had one of the V.C. Andrew books up on the shelf as well. Uh, um, interesting. Yeah, but it was a nod to that, and uh, you know, you, you see Maya Hawk, and you think, "Oh, main character." Yeah, Maya <laughs> Hawk. Uh, that's who I was talking about. Um, yeah, you think she's going to be uh, the main character, and uh, she has some uh, good moments as um, she's being uh, stalked by a uh, killer in the now closed mall. And um, yeah. Oh man. She well, like I said, scream influenced. Uh, they they even did like a shot for shot uh, remake of when uh, Drew Barrymore was uh, killed in Scream. Spoiler alert! Yeah, uh, spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it just it just got off to uh, uh, a good start. Uh, although you you think you see the uh, the killer uh, shot. Uh, in the head, and the killer himself is also a, a direct uh, uh, takeoff ghost face. As this guy is more of a, I guess, skull face. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, it just it just totally was ooze and scream, uh, scream vibes. Yeah, absolutely. And oh gosh, like the the best was. Uh... You know, it just kind of gave me back those nostalgic, like, 90s vibes of going to the mall. Oh, And, gosh, like, the yeah. food court and the bookstore and the, like, the play on Spencer's. Yeah. Or, you know, just all of that, uh, you know, just really took me back a little bit, you know, when the mall was cool and it wasn't, like, major stores <laughs> going in. You know, it was small mom and pops basically taking a chance you know did you ever work at a mall i wanted to to be honest i actually applied like to a bunch of places at scarborough town center Uh um i even applied at like the bulk barn 
and I got an interview there and I didn't end up getting the job, but it was fine. It was kind of cool though. Like I was like super, I, I really wanted to work at the mall. I wanted to be <laughs> one of those mall kids to be honest. And that's okay. You know, one day maybe that'll happen. Maybe I'll be an old lady working in the mall. <laughs> Blue hair and all. <laughs> um, I did work in a mall. I uh, mm -hmm. in, in my in my college uh, early college years, uh, I worked at uh, and this is not a plug, but I worked at a certain all fry uh, shop, who name may be from synonymous with a famous American city. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I this was at the Oshawa Center. And I, I worked there for... That's where my cousin works now. Oh, really? Yeah, my cousin Crystal. Shout out, Crystal. <laughs> she works at... Uh, she actually works at the Freedom Mobile. So if you ever need a phone hookup, go see Crystal. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, she's, she, yeah. She works at Oshawa Center. And uh, yeah, it's changed quite a bit. It's like... It's a completely different mall. Oh, I haven't been there since... I moved uh, out of uh, Bowmanville, which was just a bit yeah. uh, east of uh, Oshawa. So yeah, I have, mm -hmm. no, I have no idea what it uh, it looks like. Maybe I'll uh, drop in next weekend on my way to Deadly Grounds. Yeah, do it. It's changed so much, though. Like, I mean, it's it, yeah. That's all I'll say. It's changed a lot. Like all the malls have changed. They're just not the same anymore. They changed structurally yeah. inside because Oshawa Center yeah. Mall was always like one long tunnel. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's almost like square one now. Oh, interesting. It's got the square. It's where you you can go in a loop and go in a loop and go in a loop, and the, all the loops interconnect, but you can get lost pretty easily. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, but is there a uh, hot topic yes. there? I believe so. Okay. Yeah, I, I like don't quote me on it, but I believe like I mean, if it's a mall, there's going to be a hot topic in there and uh, employing people that will not help you whatsoever. <laughs> Sorry, <don't>... hot topic. <laughs> <laughs> they they don't like to come out from behind their desk very often, do they? Uh, no, no, and that's okay because I don't. You know what? I'm, I've turned into such a crotchety person where I'm like, I just want to walk into a store and not be bothered by 300 people asking me if I need help or if I need anything. I just want to browse for a bit and then turn around and ask you for help. You, you can know? tell but, the store, you can tell the employees who work on commission to the ones who worked on just on, you know, scale. So <laughs> <laughs> I prefer the non-commissioned stores. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, I mean, I know, no, like, no disrespect to people that work on commission. You do your job. You're fantastic. But yeah, I I just want to get through a store and like just be like, thank you. Yes, I'll ask you for help. You're the person I'm going to ask because you came to me first. No worries. I've got you. It's the same thing with Sephora. You know, like you know that you you walk into a Sephora. Like I don't know about you, David, but walking into Sephora. Oh, don't go into Sephora very often. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's just it's it's just not on my on my list. That's okay. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't like expect most guys to walk into a Sephora unless with their girlfriend. 
but I'm usually in and out pretty quick. Um, but yeah, like it just gave me, it gave me the, like the start of fear street really took me back to that. Like, like neon nineties. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Especially working (laughs) in the food court. Because uh, you worked at, I can't believe you worked at New York Fries. Yeah. I'm sure you have a ton of stories and maybe experimented a little bit with flavors. I'm hoping. Oh my gosh. We made, we made the <laughs> best combinations. I mean, it's like they would, they would never sell it, but it's like we made, and we were making these combinations before New York Fries really experimented with making their own combinations and putting mm-hmm. it on the menu. But we were like, mm-hmm. ar- we were already ahead of the game, the employees. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I like, uh, man, I do still like New York fries, just to say that much, even even though I do like the classic poutine, mm-hmm. you know, I do like New York fries. They're still pretty top notch in terms of uh, oh, yeah, they're, shops. Yeah, they're, they're fine. It, it was it was a fun place to, to work at, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> especially because we didn't have to deal with hot dogs because there was already a Dairy Queen in the in the in the court. Oh, you're so, so lucky. So we, we weren't uh, allowed to have hot dogs, so that was fine by me. So a little side note before we hop back into it again. Uh, me and my friend used to have an argument over who had the best ketchup, and I always said New York fries had the best ketchup. <laughs> by far. For french fries. Like, uh-huh. um, uh, McDon- she always said McDonald's ketchup was better, because McDon- like this is Scarborough Town Center, so this is before okay. they changed the food court and everything, McDonald's was downstairs and New York Fries was upstairs. Yeah. I always right. went to New York Fries. She always went to McDonald's, and she used to say McDonald's ketchup is better. I'm like, no, New York Fries has the tangiest ketchup I've ever had, and I love it. And I think it's because yeah. they had French's ketchup. Yeah, I, I think Heinz. New York, uh, not, uh, McDonald's ketchup always was too sweet for me. Thank you. You know. Thank you. <laughs> I like a tangy ketchup. Yeah. <laughs> but back into uh, Fear Street. And speaking of tangy ketchup, uh, she, <laughs> she, she, Maya Hawk didn't have ketchup all over her, but she had lots of blood. Uh, and yeah, she, she, was, she was off in a great death scene. I, it was, she was so good in that. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I would love to see her do more horror because uh, I, I you know, Stranger Things notwithstanding, I thought she was uh, fantastic uh, in this. I got nothing well, against know, Stranger just, Things. It's just, it's not. We're, it's taking too long. Duffer Brothers, so it's taking yeah. too long. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, well, I mean, she's got fabulously talented uh, parents, too. She's got Uma Thurman as her mom and Ethan Hawke as her dad. So yeah, that's we hope pretty... that the acting gene talent passes down through a generation at least. Pretty damn good pedigree right there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think she has a, a, a good future uh, ahead of her. Mm-hmm. So after after the kill, uh, we jump right into a really cool intro uh, montage as you're starting through um, uh, news newspaper articles and whatnot. You're starting to learn the, a bit of the history of the town mm-hmm. and about uh, the witch. Of, of of its mm-hmm. past, uh, Sarah Fear, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I really liked that uh, beginning. Um, I thought it was it was very well done. I, I like a good, engaging 
uh, credits intro. Um, there's there's you know mm. going going all the way back to the Pink Panther movies, but it's something that you know really grabs you. Um, the recent Spider-Man films were good too, but uh, mm. I I I really enjoy that because if you can grab someone by the credits, that that's already uh, a good start. Well, especially the credits, they they give you enough information without uh, spoiling the whole thing. Like with the whole the witch, it's the witch, it's the witch. They basically like set yeah. it up so the audience is going towards a certain mindset to begin with like it's the witch <laughs> yeah all can be traced back to sarah fear she's the start of it she's the cause of it she's the problem child so let's go in that direction <laughs> and this would have been familiar to people who read the books right because the the fear actually no the fear family was not part was part of the uh, the fear family was a part of it but sarah fear herself was not a she was, she it was, was a compl- okay. she wasn't in the original she was it was between the good family and the fear family right but the it was the good family that um the two matriarchs um were accused of being witches by the fear family and then the father they were executed and they were hung um and the father uh of the good family uh curse the fear family to a life of torment basically so like the entire bloodline was supposed to die um that was the curse so okay so there it's a little bit of a change so that you know audiences that who did not read the books are given a a story and then also those who read the books kind of get a a different take and maybe it's not verbatim, which is something I enjoy when I, I watch it. I don't want to. I don't want to have a straight cut and dry. Yeah, uh, film. So. Yeah, I I agree. I I like an adaptation that will give me something new. I know there's hardcore. Mm-hmm. There's hardcore uh, fans who. Would like nothing better than the entirety of Lord of the Rings be word for word on put onto the screen, but it's just not feasible. Um, so not I, for the length of books. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So and I, yeah, I, I just I I do enjoy adaptations where the the director and that could put a bit of their own spin and a bit of their own material, but still stand true to the. Uh, source material yeah agreed 100 yeah. percent. and that's where i like where they took this so we're not given any like any main characters from any, from any of the stories this is a whole new fresh take on fair street yeah so. and uh what you think could just be a uh out and out slasher uh film um because mm-hmm. i wasn't exp- i would that's what i was expecting just f- from watching the trailers uh absolutely I-, I was just expecting oh this is like this could be a, a modern day uh slasher uh film uh but there are mm-hmm. hints there are hints of the supernatural already in the first scene um mm-hmm. when yeah with the her, fly yeah when her her friend at the mall starts acting strange 
Adam Torres. We'll yeah. just call him by his name. Yeah. Adam Torres. Adam Torres. Um, who to me is given very strong vibes of... Oh, I forget his name. Uh, I just put his picture up on our Instagram, though, um, at May Contain Violence. And mm-hmm. remember the, the jokester-type character in Friday the 13th Part 2, the redhead who lived? Mm-hmm. I was getting very mm-hmm. strong vibes of that character in, in his. Yeah, like, yeah, I, I, I would agree. Yeah, he was, he, he was doing things with the blow-up doll and, you know, just, um, just being kind of uh, an odd, uh, funny guy. Um, yeah, the comedic relief. Yeah, comedic the, relief. The, yeah. The but, tension cutter. Yeah. But he yeah. also looks like he could be, a, I hate to say, like, playing into type, but he also, they also probably made him look like he could be a mass murderer because he's, like, kind of skinny, nerdy type that, mm-hmm. uh, you know. They're always like, he was so nice. I don't know what happened. He just snapped. Right. <laughs> Which is what happens. Right. Well, he likes guys. Maya. You you can get the you get the vibes that he likes Maya. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he likes her. Or, and or Heather. Heather, yes, Heather. And uh, he likes Heather. And you know, she's just like, okay, ha ha. Like, yeah. You're being ridiculous. Yeah. Go away. I'm gonna go close up. Let's hang out, kind of thing. Like you're my friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but he is uh, taken over um, somehow, um, mm-hmm. and he, you know, he he becomes a, he puts on a costume and goes and hunts her down, mm-hmm. and um, is then is shot and killed by the uh, security guard. Perfect headshot. Mm-hmm. How about this is security guy? I mean, sorry, this is the United States people, so yeah, everyone yeah. has a gun. But Every, yeah. how did he have a gun? Like, this is me going, like, why does a mall cop have a gun? He should just have a taser, or isn't he just supposed to observe and report? <laughs> I mean, he was in the act of stabbing this poor girl, so I, I you know, he took action, uh, right, 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 rightly so. Uh, mm-hmm. for, on a situation like that, that's uh, I think you can go right to the gun. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, not that it helped her; she was already uh, beyond help. Um, but after that scene, and uh, like I said, very very scream like, and our our lead characters are is dead. Our killer is dead. Um, and we jump to the real main cast. Mm-hmm. And uh, we we start to get introduced uh, to them, um, and their teenage plight. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have uh, Canadian actress uh, Kiana Madeira as Dina. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, Olivia Scott Welch as Samantha. Yes. Uh, Benjamin Flores Jr. Um, Who's also known as Little Peanut. Known as oh really? He has a he has a rapping career. Yeah, he does. He has a little bit of a hip hop career. Yes. Oh, <laughs> that's cool. Um, he is uh, Dina's uh, little brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And then we got the uh, we got the two stoners. Mm-hmm. Uh, played by Julia Rewald. She's Kate. And mm-hmm. the other guy's name. I always forget his name. Is that Simon? Yeah, Simon. By, by Fred uh, uh, Hesch- Heschinger. Yeah, and also Simon sort of is like a standout character in this movie as well. Like he's just—it's so—he's funny. Yeah, like, he's definitely the comic relief. Yeah. Yeah, like I mean, both him and um, and yeah, what's her name? Is it Julie or? Uh, she plays uh, Julia. She plays Kate. She's the uh, yeah Kate. Kate the, the, drug, uh, so. the drug dealers. Yeah, she yeah the drug dealers, the unassuming drug dealers. Like, would you ever think a high school cheerleader could be a drug dealer? Probably not. <laughs> no, probably not. She, yeah, I, I thought she was the more. Um, before you start to get to know this town, you realize there's no real rich kids in in this town. Uh, but mm-hmm. she she kind of came off as as that to me uh, when we first met her. But mm-hmm. then, then we find out she's a real rabble rouser. Um, as we find out, mm-hmm. these these two towns living beside each other are very much at odds with each other. And what's the name mm-hmm. of the towns? Uh, Shady Side and what's the other one? Sorry, the Shady Side and Sunny Side, Sunnyvale. Sunnyvale, yeah. Sunnyvale. I have to think about that every time because I, I almost said Sunnydale. It's not Sunny. <laughs> Yeah, but Sunnydale is actually where Sunnydale was shot. Uh, Buffy was shot was in Sunnyvale, California. All right. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Um. So we we find out some teenage angst stuff going uh, between uh, Samantha and Dina. They were uh, going out with each other, and uh, there was a breakup, and. Um, so, anyways, we 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 get some teenage angst stuff, mm-hmm. and it all culminates at a uh, football uh, a rally, and you see just how much these two towns uh, hate each other. As the uh, mm-hmm. yeah, as a fight breaks out, a fight breaks out at the uh, vigil for. Uh, uh, Heather, who is Heather, and the other people who are killed in the mall, as, as we saw a, a few more bodies uh, of staff that were uh, slashed and uh, killed by uh, Ryan Torres's character. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that leads to uh, a big fight there. Um, the The two girls are at odds because Samantha is now dating uh, a Sunny uh, Sunny Dale Jock. Mm-hmm. And they are at, went on the bus ride home as Kate is starting a war chant against <laughs> Sunnydale. Um, kill them! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we we learned earlier uh, through Josh's character as he's a bit of a internet sleuth and he's a um, kind of a. Uh, town lore uh, historian as Mm -hmm. he's talking in his chat with uh, other people about uh, the witch and the curse on on Shadyside. Um, Mm -hmm. 
but uh, so we start, start to get a bit of a background there. Josh is also a metalhead. <laughs> no. Yes. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> let's touch upon well, the let's touch upon the music. Yes. Um, um, uh, well, first of all, they kick us off with Nine Inch Nails. Yep. Closer, one of my favorite songs. Like favorite of all time, next to Perfect Drug. <laughs> oh yes. Um, I love Perfect Drug. Oh my god, that music video was trippy. From the Lost Highway soundtrack. Yes. Yeah. That like I think Perfect Drug is probably one of the first really like visually like one of the first music videos I remember like fully watching and how trippy it was and like it was all grayscale basically. Yeah, it was cool. It, it it was almost like Tim Burton would would have shot that video. Exactly. Tim, Tim exactly. Burton had yeah. <laughs> um yeah closer um only happy when it rains by garbage uh, uh fear yeah. the dark by iron maiden um machine head by bush uh damn i we wish i was have, your lover uh, by sophie b hawkins <laughs> yes damn i wish i was your lover yep. yeah yep. i remember that song that was on re- serious radio play on the adult channels mm. <laughs> in the 90s um also, uh, White Zombie, too. Yep. Ah, uh, like I just like when he was playing that video game in the basement. I was like, "That's me." It was a hundred percent me. Early chat rooms, like you know, started <laughs> the real internet. Um, dial-up, uh, AOL. Like I, I, I still remember like one of my like when my my house got internet. It was AOL. Right. So, and then screaming, "Get off the phone! I'm on the internet. I'm trying to do homework." <laughs> uh, gosh, that takes me back. But yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, just it, honestly, like, I, I was him. That was me. That was the that was the kid I was. Yeah, uh, ditto. Nineties. <laughs> uh, ditto. Um, I remember. Uh... God, playing video games, and I we we would um in 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 my basement, and um, I would have the PC set up, and then I'd have my SNES uh on on the TV. So all my friends would be we we'd be playing something, and ninety nine percent of the time on the PC we were playing Doom. Oh and, Doom! Oh my and, gosh! Yeah, yeah, <laughs> or Doom Two, and um, <laughs> I I I said. I said, watch this, guys. So I would open up the CD-ROM. I would put in my remix version of Further Down the Spiral by Nine Inch Nails. And then I would turn the the music right down on Doom, and you would have that playing instead. And it it was so good. Like, it was so good to the action of Doom. Like, it just was Mm -hmm. was the crazy... Uh, remix sounds that he'd put in. You'd hear like kind of distorted screaming in the background, and it was just put you way more in the mood to kill demons. <laughs> and which it was kind of funny because that was a precursor because Trent Reznor was a huge Doom fan, and he yeah. would delay putting out working on his albums because he was playing Doom too much. <laughs> honestly i think that's you know what honestly with the way that music has sort of gone 
like we we don't have that long waiting time between albums nowadays. I think the only people that make us wait super long between albums is Kanye West and uh, Drake, which they just dropped their albums. So, um, but yeah, like you know, uh, gosh, like, take me back, <laughs> take me um, back. <laughs> uh, it, it's also funny that then that. Uh, ID or ID, um, which is the, uh, the the producers of the the Doom game. Um, mm-hmm. When they when they made Quake, they asked Trent Reznor to do the soundtrack. Yeah. 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 So that was kind of cool. Anyways, uh, sorry, went off the side there. Um, no, but the music really yeah. takes you there. Like, I mean, that music. And it was so well placed. Quintessential nineties. I mean, yeah, we had garbage like. I'm sort of surprised that they didn't do I Would Die For You. Like, that's also a very popular uh, garbage oh. song. Like, it's yeah. Remixed. That was, wasn't that featured in Romeo and Juliet? Yes. As uh, Lerman, <laughs> uh, Romeo and Juliet? Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I had that soundtrack. <laughs> As Lerman's Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, that would be a good that would have been a good uh, sound. Yeah, uh, but album. I also liked. I it's. I'm only happy when it rains. I was like, yeah, take me back. <laughs> Timing too, because Garbage just released a new album after oh, how many years? A million. I think it's been like. I think it's been at least a, maybe a decade. a decade. Yeah, that's what I want to say. Um, it's, it's quite well, good too. I mean, they've all had. Uh, they don't really have to like honestly i don't think they really have to make any new music like at all um you know no, don't have to but you know creatives want to <laughs> yeah uh oh. what's his name uh what's his name uh, he he produced the nirvana album as well from garbage what's his name oh my gosh i'm having a moment uh oh a producer yeah he but he's in garbage Okay. I can't think of his name right now, but he also produced uh, one of the, um, what do you call it? The Foo Fighters albums, Rope. Okay. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah. He, I mean, I think he's, he was fine. I think it was mostly him. Like, I think it was because he has such a busy, like, music production career that he was, they just didn't come out with new stuff, you know? Okay. And it's really hard. Like I get, I get the process is really hard when you're you you don't want to make something you've made before, but you also want to keep your fan base happy. You know, mm-hmm. that's why we've been waiting for over a decade for a new Dr. Dre album. We're waiting for the Chronic Two. <laughs> uh, that was you know? Brian Dave Butch Vig. Butch Vig, thank you. Yeah. Yes, he's he's fantastic. I mean. I think a lot of their sound is accredited to him. So, uh, yeah, garbage. Gosh, uh, I'm surprised they didn't put Hole in there. Yeah, yeah, that was... Uh, Hole's usually left out, you know? Hole is... Yeah. I, think it's, I think it's the whole, the whole thing with Kurt Cobain and uh, a lot of controversy around her. So you don't hear... You don't even hear Hole music very often. 
No, but she's fantastic. Like, I mean, her vocals are fantastic. Like, I mean, if I can think of any anything, I just think of Courtney Love and and Hole in the '90s, and like just the female market. I mean, I think I th- really and truly like this movie really tapped into what it's like to be a girl or a woman in any any uh, decade, really. Um, but I mean. I, I did. I, the thing that I loved the most about the first movie was the oh, we're going to give you a gender norm, and then we're going to twist it on you because, uh, you know, uh, like especially with Dina and Sam, yes, lesbians is, existed in high school in the nineties. Like there were relationships going on. Like, don't just think that it's a basic. I, like when they were showing Sam and uh, the new guy. Like, for a minute there, I'm sure everyone thought, oh, she's upset about the guy. Uh-huh. Like, oh, he's grabbing her butt. She's pissed off, right? Yeah. And then it, it turns out it's Sam. Yeah. And it it's was the a girl. It was a subtle reveal, and it wasn't played up much. I mean, it, it was just normal. Uh, you get the feeling exactly. Sam was definitely conflicted and still in the closet where Dina uh, has accepted uh, who she is, Sam has not, and is kind of trying to hide the fact. Um, but that's really all that you get. That that stems that uh, that makes them break up, or Sam break mm-hmm. up with Dina. And Dina says, "You know, I know, I know who you are, and you're not this." Um, but it's yeah. But then that they leave with that. They just like I'm sure that is a uh, a problem. Um, yeah, with, with 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 teens when you know, and and they're scared to uh to come out, um, and and Dina is like you know basically saying I'm you know your 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 parents aren't going to understand, but I understand, and you have to break away from that and stop hiding mm-hmm. who you are. So that that's their relationship problem, um, mm-hmm. and where she think where she thinks Dina is too open and too like, um. Like she doesn't understand the problem of coming out uh, to her yeah. parents and that, so it's kind of a they they need balance uh, these two. Um, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. I, and I mean that's like any, and I hate to say this, but this is like any teenage relationship too. One is always more, in one person is always much more invested in the relationship than the other person is, and for whatever reason it might be a fear of coming out or, you know, a fear of being hurt. There's always one side that's more intensely invested in the relationship and unwilling to accept the drawbacks of the other person, you know, and there's always that internal conflict, right? For the most part. And I mean, playing that into the high school thing and like, you know, when you're that age, everything feels super intense, (laughs) you know, like I think we were all a bit dramatic. And I mean, I hate to say that let sex play into it because I'm pretty sure there were a lot of guys that were very emotional in high school. Um, But, you know, like for girls, we just have that amalgam of emotions all the time, you know, we're, we're we're super intense, right? So, right. Um, 
I, I mean, I kind of related to Dina in a lot of ways in terms of just how she feels, having your heart broken, kind of being down in the dumps about it, listening to the sad, angry music. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I was just like, oh yeah, this is this is how I relate. But I'm definitely her brother. I'm definitely in the basement playing video games, listening to loud rock music, really having fun. Um, but yeah, that emotion part of it, having your heart broken, having to process it, that's definitely, we've all been through that. You know, we can all relate to Dina in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I think all the characters kind of embodied, uh, aspects of, uh, yeah, uh, being a teenager and mm-hmm. uh, like, I saw a bit of myself in Josh, uh, I saw mm-hmm. myself in Dina. Um, mm-hmm. uh, a little bit of Simon, uh, but it was uh, it it wasn't so th- there was like certain tropes followed, but I didn't feel like it was totally. Um, I've seen all of this before. Maybe the jock, mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe the jock boyfriend. He didn't really yeah. have. He didn't really have anything deeper going on there. <laughs> no, he was kind of just that guy yeah. really him and his friends you know? yeah um, but yeah. i like i enjoyed kate a little bit but at the same time too i don't think anyone really wants to be a kate sadly yeah i sort of, i like she her. walks that line yeah i liked her would never want to be with her would be wary with hanging out with her all the time mm-hmm. um but um certainly enjoyable to watch mm-hmm yeah, she's like she's she breaks the mold, but she also plays within the mold. She understands the, the hierarchy, the, the walking the line, yeah, portraying one thing and being another thing. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I just it's okay. I didn't really want to be. I didn't see myself in Kate at all. So. <laughs> okay, that's good. <laughs> you yeah. didn't see yourself in the <laughs> God, me rule, me a rule breaker. Oh, that would be, that would be hilarious. <laughs> I don't break a lot of rules. <laughs> um, so we kind of have our our, our cast uh, set up, and mm-hmm. they uh, there is a traffic, a mild traffic accident as the the jo- the car full of jocks pursuing the school bus back, the Shady Sires back, going back to their school. And um, Samantha's boyfriend and her jock and uh, his jock friends, and she's stuck in a car chasing and honking at the bus. And yeah. Dina takes it upon herself to, um, well, she meant to just kind of pour some, was it Gatorade or something? Yeah, it's Gatorade. Oh. Let's just say what it. Let's call it yeah. what it is. It's Gatorade out, out, the, <laughs> out the back of the school bus. Uh, to and to not just any up. type of Gatorade. We know it was the gross orange Gatorade. Uh, now, hey, <laughs> I like the gross orange Gatorade. Right. Oh, sorry, sorry. I, don't I, look someone else's yum. <laughs> I don't. I don't hate on any Gatorade flavors. Um, I use all of them I, on my biking. I. I. Um. Uh. Well, I yes, was never you like red. You like red the most, right? No, I actually don't like Gatorade at all. I was never oh. a Gatorade fan. I was. I'm a pure water purist. Like I'm like, 
Give me water. I'm fine. <laughs> I, I I only started drinking it when I was uh when when I started seriously biking, um because yeah. I I needed those electrolytes and uh, so it actually helps. But yes. yeah, we keep Gatorade in the house for Edward. He well, we keep Mio uh those little Mio bottles to add to water because Edward sorry. is Edward doesn't Edward will drink water, but he's not. He's like I need the electrolytes, so yeah. he sweats a yeah. lot. Uh, he's he, no like honestly that man runs so like he runs hot and i mean he's a human furnace he walks around i don't know how he survives being alive because he's so hot um but he, he'll even say it he'll he'll even agree with me when it comes he's like i don't know why i'm so hot <laughs> i hope spontaneous combustion is not in his future Oh no! Oh gosh! Don't even remind me of that. That is a weird, like, fear that sticks in the back of my head. Now that I know that that can happen, I'm like, no. It's like aneurysms. You know they could happen, but you just not to you. Um, well, with Dina but, fearing that these jocks might spontaneously combust, tried to pour Gatorade on their car, uh, but <laughs> but um, uh, mishandled the. Uh, the cooler and pretty much throws the whole damn cooler at the car, which causes the car yeah. to go off the embankment, crash, flip, sent uh, cue to Samantha crawling out, bloodied, and putting her hand on a loamy uh, piece of uh, earth, and she suddenly gets flashes. Yeah, she and, gets visions. Yeah, vision, uh, vision flashes of a woman. Uh, a woman uh, with covered in blood and screaming, and uh, mm -hmm. other other uh, images, mm -hmm. and that's mostly why all in red, all yeah. in red. Let's yeah, remember. exactly. <laughs> and uh, that's when we are now given the very strong indication that this is not just going to be a slasher uh, film, but we are getting a uh, supernatural paranormal aspect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, and also I would say also in that scene where Dina is dumping out uh, the cooler you hear you can you can almost hear like the voices that are she's a woman right. possessed in that scene she can hear the voices she can hear whispering and she like she comes to like her nose starts bleeding and they're like Dina your nose and she's like I don't know why I did what I did like Samantha. No. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It. Um. So we. Yeah. We get a bit of a because like, we were just introduced to Samantha. She had not have many scenes at all. Uh. Prior. No. Prior to this. Uh. She had. Well. Like, yeah. And exactly. We didn't know if Sam was a girl or a boy. We yeah. Didn't. We couldn't assume. You know. Either way. But they. I think they really did try to heavily lean on that. Um. Kind of ambiguous. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. But now, with, with this, it's like she's thrust into the the forefront, because uh, we, we mm -hmm. it seems very clearly uh, Dina is now our lead character. Because uh, uh, after the mall incident, we we pretty much follow everything from her perspective, uh, and now we got uh, Samantha as the uh, other protagonist, and uh, I like that. I wasn't expecting it. Uh, I thought Sam was going to be the girlfriend and um, who she tried to get 
back to who may die or 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 whatnot uh but then uh no we were we were given a uh, a second protagonist and uh she becomes uh, a focal point of the plot because she's now made contact with uh Sarah Fear the the visions and the the voices and everything the paranormal aspect it's like we're we're taking a whole different tone it's not just your cut and dry sl- slasher yeah um, and and that like that's where i like where it took the turn like okay we're not like we're we're adding this paranormal aspect to it what what turn is it going to take or is it going to completely is it going to is it going to connect with the main story like the slasher thing or is it going to completely like diverge and sort of maybe take a whole different tone or will it add or take away like what's going to happen here we don't know yet and because yeah. uh-huh. we got the we got the further background that this uh, shady side is like the serial killer capital of the world yeah, um, that was dropped on us. So already you're thinking, okay, well, this is a bad, this is a bad town, and mm-hmm. with, the, with the internet chatter, they they were talking about the witch. Um, so I, uh, uh, you know, Sarah Fear and and her curse. So already you're starting to get hints of it. Um, mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, well, they maybe they are they're doing some sort of. Um, you know, urban legend uh, background uh, to this, mm-hmm. uh, but no. Where after the car crash, it's like, nope. This is this is definitely where it's going. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, it lay it 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 plays out uh, for the rest of that uh, rest of that night that way. Now, does it? Yeah. Does it? Is it one night? It's one night, isn't it? Yeah, it's a full night. Like honestly, it's it like that's the thing it really kicks off from that that car crash um i don't even think it's like it goes and flips to the next day no because she's samantha's in the hospital yeah she it's like dina's home and this is every like i mean the you know they have the scene with uh sheriff good who's oh yeah that's what introduced with good Mm-hmm. Not just your typical sheriff; he's also your friend. <laughs> <laughs> um, Introduction of the adults in the situation. Yes. Yeah, the very few adults that are in this uh, film. Keeping um, in tone with any '90s horror, like where are the parents? <laughs> parents just are doing their own thing. They're going out on and dates. just don't understand. <laughs> the parents just don't understand. Um, <laughs> Yeah, as as keeping with with films like A Nightmare on Elm Street uh, and 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 others, uh, Halloween and that, that it's just yeah, you don't you don't see very many adults that uh, or or barely any parents. Yeah, exactly. I don't and even think I, we see Dina and Josh's parents at all. Uh, no, Dad's always gone. Dad's oh, okay. gone, and uh. Um, I don't know if I, you know what though. I I feel like there was a scene in there with the oh yeah the breakfast like yeah that was later at the toward the end but yeah like where dad's a dad's present but not present at the same time like he he always leaves a note. There's beer cans everywhere. It's not necessarily a positive situation that Dina and Josh are in 
Like they're right. basically parenting themselves. Dina's trying to parent Josh and Josh couldn't care less. Yeah. Cause he's like, I'm just going to do my own thing. But, um, you know, with what it is, um, you know, like you see Sam's mom who, cause Dina right. calls Sam's mom and she's like, don't call here. You've ruined her life enough. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. So she's aware of Sam and Dina's relationship and does not yeah. approve. Um, no finger and, wagging. Yeah, and obviously <laughs> thinks Dina, you know, coaxed coaxed her into this into this relationship. It's just uh, <laughs> you bewitched her with lesbianism. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, conservative just, uh, parents. <laughs> <laughs> it's sickening. Um but yeah, so they 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 go uh jo- so Josh is our information font um with with regards to uh the curse and the serial killers mm-hmm. and um uh that they they're then being stalked by him. I'm not gonna go beat for beat for the for the movie. Um no. But uh, you you find out that uh, the the skull mass killer is up and about uh, again and uh, uh, hunting for them, and it is still the guy who originally had it, the guy who was supposedly Adam shot. Adam Torres. Yeah, shot in the head. I'm um, just gonna remember that name, Adam Torres. I don't Adam know Torres. why. <laughs> <laughs> um, Torres. Wow, Torres. Adam Torres. <laughs> Yeah, he didn't look like a Torres, but Ra- Ryan yeah. Torres. Ryan Torres. Oh, is Ryan Torres? Sorry. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. Ryan. Gave him the wrong name. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> I only know the um, yeah, IMDb up. Ah, uh, yes, but uh, yeah, um, yeah, he's stalking them. We don't know why he's stalking them. Like they think that it's you know Sam's boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, breaking in, in, into the house and whatnot. Yeah, that scene with the girls, like Kate and the girls, and I was like, oh my god, don't let it be like one of those moments where they're going to attack the kids too. Oh yeah, Kate was uh, babysitting the, the two girls, but she was having them divide up the pills. Oh my god, like, don't tell your mom, but I'm a drug dealer. I'll give you whatever you want if you just do this for me. Oh my god, like... Yeah, there was. Some, uh, could there you was imagine some... having a babysitter like that? <laughs> <laughs> there was some good humor in this. Um, yeah. uh, so all, all in all, uh, I really enjoyed this first movie. Yeah, it was a good um, introduction to the whole, the whole universe. Basically, yeah. we're just going to call it a universe. I, I enjoyed um, the, the lore. Yeah, the lore, the music, the characters. <laughs> you have a did you have a favorite in the first movie? Um, Josh was probably my favorite. <laughs> okay. Uh, but that's because I related the most to him as a character. Um, but I also think um the janitor, the custodian of the mall, was also standout because yes, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Daryl Britt Gibson. I loved that exchange between Josh and Martin though in the in the PlayStation where Josh drops the the paperclip oh, to yes. help him out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that was that was good. 
But like Martin's just like, yeah, like he like I mean Martin was basically like he was getting he was getting the raw deal in the in the first one cuz uh you know, he was didn't he, like him. Yeah, good didn't like him. Why we don't know. Why don't no. we like him? Is 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 this a uh, uh, play into social justice reform? Maybe a little bit, um, but yeah, he's definitely the scapegoat uh, for Sheriff Good, and you know you can see that they've had interactions before. That's obviously not a positive uh, uh, back and forth between no. uh, Good and Martin at all. And this is our first hint of good not being so good. So good, because <laughs> uh, he he busted he busted Martin for uh, spray paint uh, for you know for whatever spray paint art or what. And yeah. uh, he says that you know those weren't my cans and, and and good basically tells the camera like oh I planted these. <laughs> yeah, and um, then that's really the first time we see him like oh, okay you're. You're you're a bit shady, because yeah. he's a he's a loved sheriff. His brother is mayor in the next town over. Um, yeah, can I just do an eye roll on that one? Like I'm just like ugh. <laughs> they definitely play into like the the like popularity uh, complex that is like the world, basically just modern society. There is a hierarchy, and the more popular you are the more successful yeah. you are. You know, like, it's not like you peaked in high school. Like, these are people that should have peaked in high school and didn't. Like, I'm just going to say the the residents of Sunnyvale are the people that should have peaked in high school. <laughs> and Shady <laughs> Side are the interesting uh, people that should have had more success in life. The creators, the, the rule breakers, basically. Yep. So... Yeah, that's where the first movie leaves us. <laughs> yeah, uh, so a- after m- much of the cast is uh, um, slaughtered, and let's actually drop onto the kills. Wow. Yes. Wow, I was so I not expecting. No, I was. The gore factor was top notch. Intense. Um, Intense. Uh, to say were, the least. Yeah, some really, <laughs> some really gory kills and really creative kills. Um, I was not expecting Kate to go out the way she did. I, man, I, I no one was expecting hope, that. I was sincerely hoping the Scooby, the, the Scooby cast that we had, the the Scooby gang, um, we're gonna make it. Yeah, you know, because we haven't had a movie where, um, none of the like we haven't had a movie where there's been like a Scoobies that hasn't survived. You know, to the yeah. end. Yeah, you usually expect a final girl in this, but here you're pretty hopeful you get a final group. Yeah. And they they um, they managed to avoid death so many times already between o- other of these called back serial killers that uh Sarah um would uh bring back uh to mm-hmm. life. Um cuz that's what she's been doing for these past uh, years, uh bringing mm-hmm. back these killers and uh Killing anyone who made contact with her, which was, I thought, kind of strange. Um, yes, that she was picking Why would that on. Happen? Yeah, that that she was picking on the the this um, anyone who 
made this kind of psychic con- uh, contact with her, that's who yeah. she would send out to kill. Yeah. Uh, and anyone who gets... Well, sometimes people get... It was kind of wishy-washy on that. Sometimes it would kill anyone who gets in their way as evidence in the mall. But then other times, completely ignore <laughs> our, our some of our main cast in order to go after Samantha, who had seen the visions. Yeah, exactly. So it, they were a little non-concrete um, on what Sarah was doing there. Yeah, what was her main... Yeah, what was the main thing about this curse? Yeah. Um, but you do find out later... That there is another there is another aspect to who's controlling <laughs> these killers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Um, yeah. But yeah, we and, so we lose Kate and Simon in um, gory fashion. Yes. Uh, do you want to talk about the watermelon? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So Kate goes out. Uh, Via one of the killers, via the oh, who killed her? The is it the um, the Camp Nightwing killer? Yeah. No, was it Camp Nightwing or no Skullface? Skullface, sorry, yeah, my bad. Skull, okay, uh, I, Camp Nightwing took out Simon. That's right. Um, so man, so we have this bread slicer, mm-hmm. and uh, Kate, who's now covered in cake. Mm-hmm. As being uh, smashed around uh, by uh, the killer um, in, the bakery. Is, uh, in the bakery is is put through the bread slicer head first, um, and a lot <laughs> of the crew. Uh, yeah, behind the scenes, a lot of the crew didn't think a, a, that could a bread be a slicer. thing. Yeah, that could be a thing. So the director, um, uh, uh, Lee Jenick, who we haven't mentioned yet, who directed all yes. three films. And um, she she proved them um, wrong by successfully slicing a uh, watermelon. Uh, something through. tells me she worked like in an AMP or something, and like routinely <laughs> took watermelons and slit. Like yeah, something tells me cut? at one point she worked in a, f- a supermarket. Mm. Of, like I'm doing a throwback saying AMP, but we I mean here it would be Metro right. or. Because Metro is one of the few stores that still does a bread yeah. slicer machine. Because No Frills yeah. doesn't do that. Um, right. <laughs> and neither does Loblaws. Loblaws doesn't have a bread slicer. Like an right. open bread slicer. But Metro certainly does. And I'm like, yeah. She definitely worked in a supermarket where she probably attempted that herself. Yeah. Uh, closing up at, at night <laughs> going, okay, this is the last thing we clean. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, mind you, a watermelon is softer than a human skull, but she didn't. She wasn't pushed all the way through. Uh, she was pushed enough to kill her, though. Yeah. And uh, yeah, one of the probably the best kills of the series, probably the most memorable. Shock, oh, yeah, shook the hell sure. out of me. I was not expecting that at all. No, um, agreed. I was not. I was. I was also like. No, it's not going to happen. It's not like there's so many times in the series where I was like, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Don't let that happen. <laughs> and then it happens. You're like, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, he's the, so yeah, she's, she's off that way. And uh, poor Simon gets a, a hatchet to the head. 
yeah. very very suddenly. Um, that was quick. Yeah, yeah that, that, that was a quick, a, a bloody but quick one. Um, and, and Josh also, as well. Yeah. Also, shout out to Simon for being employee of the month every month. Oh my god, that was job. <laughs> that was, was a, like such that was a some great comedy twist. <laughs> like this guy is the employee of the month every month at his job. Really? <laughs> he does not seem the type. No, seems like a complete <laughs> slacker. Um, but uh, again, bucking uh, stereotypes there. Exactly. <laughs> um so if the first movie was uh scream um so it leaves off at a cliffhanger you think they uh stop the curse or you, they 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 save Sam uh by killing her mm-hmm. um because that's basically how the uh girl in Camp Nightwing who we get a little bit of background from and a little bit of context uh see Berman yeah, through uh, Sheriff uh, Good, um, who apparently knows her, uh, you, mm-hmm. you learned that she had died and was brought back to life, and that was mm-hmm. what separated her from the witch. So they do the same with Sam by, well, first trying to get her to OD. That didn't work. So then mm-hmm. drowning in the lobster tank. Um, Such a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, People uh, eat those lobsters. <laughs> yeah, I know. Man, that's not very. It's not very sanitary. No. Uh, but uh, where? So we think everything's good. Everything. And so and I, I did think this film series was going to be like some sort of anthology. Yeah. The the you know the way the way it was given to us in in the trailers, yeah. Um, yeah. but. But nope, uh, Sarah uh, Samantha now becomes directly um, possessed. Con- possessed, yeah, straight up possessed, and almost almost kills Dina. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so our three survivors, Samantha, Dina, and Josh, uh, now are going to carry on into part two, nineteen seventy eight, yeah. and we 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 gave. We get a little bit of a uh, uh, next, you know, uh, in, in in the next episode, or the next movie, we get uh, uh, goes right into a trailer, and yeah, um, it sets get, it up pretty well. <laughs> yeah, Fear Street Part Two, 1978, and we're going. If if uh, Part One was Scream, Part Two was Friday the 13th. Yep. Uh, part One and Two, I would say a little bit of one, a little bit of two, right. mostly two, because we get. We get a hood hooded figure uh, stalking everybody. Right. Yeah. Um, that, yeah. For, for the <laughs> majority of the film, we get that uh, the scream uh, the scream ripoff. Um, but then, <laughs> I, but that, no, by the end of it, screen scream out ripoff. It's a scream homage. Homage, you know. Homage. Know. Homage, sure. <laughs> um, but by the end of that, we also got more killers too um yeah we got ruby lane yeah like more of her um felt like a hello mary lou prom night too yes vibes yeah absolutely Uh, and i'm like i hate when anyone sings creepy songs in movies but this really like top notch like it's like tiptoe through the tulips for me (laughs) 
song. I hate Shout that. Shout out during. I know. No, um, Insidious. Oh, yes, Insidious. Insidious. That's right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the, the other one. The precursor to The Conjuring. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Lee Wonell. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so here's the thing. We completely intended to do this all in one go, all three movies, but as usual, we talk too much. So we've decided to split this up into three parts as respective to the movies. So at the end of part one, and we will have part two up very shortly. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for that. Until then, I am David, and for Mallory, thanks for listening to May Contain Violence. We'll see you next time.